Transcending through the shadows. During this time of rapid global shifting, we all need tools to navigate this new state of consciousness and ascension. These tools are within all of us. We are souls on the journey, opening up the conversation to heal, awaken, and connect ourselves and the planet to a higher vibration of love frequency. This is our time. My name is Stacy Musiel. And my name is Sam Fernandez, and we are your co-hosts at Be The Love Podcast. Thank you for tuning in and ascending with us. Hop on board the Ascension Bus. This is Adrian Elise of the Supernova Soul Tribe. This is Nicholas David Mann. This is Mia Tarduno. This is Brenda Carey from Sacred Path Healing Yoga and Reiki. Hi, my name is Steve Nobel. Here I am with Stacy and Sam on Be The Love Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Be the Love, Transcending Through the Shadows. I am Stacey Musial, your host and soul on the journey. And thank you so much again for tuning in this week. And if you've enjoyed listening to our show, we would be absolutely so grateful for a five-star written review on iTunes. Reviews really help the show become more visible to others. And if it feels safe for you, I'd like to begin by taking a moment to get centered with us. Take a beautiful cleansing breath in through your nose and out through your mouth, releasing anything that is keeping you from being present. And take another breath in through your nose, breathing in calm, peaceful, loving energy and breathing out anything you are ready to release in this moment. And take one more breath in through your nose, breathing in light and love for yourself and breathing out the light and love and sending it to all of humanity, remembering that you always, always have your breath to come back to. Today, we have Dravai Wright, otherwise known as Mama Bear, founder of Leaf and Divine Church in Denver, Colorado. I'm so excited to have this conversation with her today. And so thank you so much for being here with us today, Mama Bear. Thank you for having me. And my name is Gervais. Gervais, I will get that right. <laughs> Gervais. <laughs> Gervais, but you can call me Mama Bear. Uh, I'll, I'll, yes, I will do that, Thank Mama you. Bear. I'm so Thank blessed you. to be here. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about your spiritual journey and what has led you to this point. Sure. Well, I was raised, uh, I guess, in several different religions. My mom wasn't really sure. <laughs> you know, she wanted to sample, I guess. Uh, a lot of different religions. So um, I've been a, a Catholic, I've been a Christian, I've been Seventh-day Adventist, um, mostly Christian going growing up. And um, I was uh, part of a Christian church for, I guess, around 12 years, where I um, sang and led praise and worship and, you know, traveled with the church and did solos at different church events and things. So um, at some point on my spiritual journey, I just started to get real with and tapping into 
what where my intuition within was and how I related to spirit. And I started to recognize that a lot of the dogma um, around organized religion just didn't resonate, um, especially um, when it comes to um, the sayings in, in the Bible or the readings in the Bible where um, I am I am the only way, you know, where it's you're taught in Christianity that only through Jesus Christ can you be saved and redeemed of your sins. And that didn't even feel right. You know, it's just the whole story about coming in and being born into sin and being a sinner before you ever even have any willful action or willful motives or intentions um, to be labeled, you know, a sinner. And so um, I just began to really get honest with my church, with myself about what I resonated with. And, and then I realized that that wasn't acceptable <laughs> in the church community, you know, unless you conformed, unless you really adhered and agreed with everything that was being taught at the pulpit that, you know, everyone else agreed on. Um, that you really weren't accepted anymore. And that was okay with me. I wasn't really hurt like a lot of people get hurt, you know, when they're ostracized from the church. I wasn't really ever ostracized. I, I think I kind of just ostracized myself and just stepped away and really started exploring um, what my truths were and what felt true to me. I just always knew that if you were to call a creator or a God or spirit, whatever, it was just so much bigger than what I was brought up to believe it was. You know, I think us as humans, we try to put labels on things. We try to put things in a box and put a nice little bow and ribbon and call it this or call it that. And I just knew that God was so much bigger. I knew that. And, and, and I really, you know, I thought of all of the thousands of years that humans have been on this planet and all of the different cultures and all of the different religions and spiritualities and ways of people worshiping and practicing their spiritualism. Um, I just knew that all of those people had to be honored as well, you know? And so I just think we're so centric, you know, we're so us, it's all about what we believe, especially in America, we try to impose our belief systems in Christianity, you know, so many people were at war and so many people were burned at the stake and so many people had to die or be ostracized or beaten because of what they believed. And I just knew that God was so much bigger than that. And so I guess I just, um, in my search, I read a lot of Hay House books. I listened to the Hay House summits that came out every year and ordered their podcasts, I guess, if you will, or interviews, online interviews, the people in the conscious community of this awakening or this shift that we are we are all experiencing but i think throughout time there's been shifts and awakenings as well so i don't even really buy into it being at a particular time i just think it's all individual and when we become awakened that there's so much more there's just so much more to spirit and to who we are and to our sovereignty and our power 
in um, in who we are in connection to um, everything that is. So I started awakening. And when I started awakening, I just really started just seeking out everything else out there. I mean, I didn't go on a quest to read other religions, but basically stayed within, you know, what I was listening to in the conscious community and what other people's experiences were. And uh, it just resonated more with me. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing your story. And, and it sounds like, I mean, just the word you use sovereignty. I mean, that's such a beautiful word to really step into our sovereignty and what that truly means. And so, you know, how have you stepped into your sovereignty? I think I've stepped into my sovereignty in going on really just a, a quest to find out again, what resonates with me and who I am and who I am in spirit. And then walking that, you know, walking that daily belief system or walking that truth, I should say, not really a belief system. Because one thing I've learned about beliefs is that they're fluid, you know, as a new, as as I continue to awaken to new things and, and new perspectives and new ways of thinking, then my belief systems change. So it's more as to what really resonates with the core of my inner being. And then that becomes my truth. I love so, that. Um, in, in part of that journey has been um, discovering plant medicine, mostly ayahuasca. That's really the medicine that resonates with my spirit. And so um, in, in doing my own podcast, Share Your Light Sunday, which um, I might revise again, I'm not sure, but, um, but I had my own podcast for about four or five years. And um, with those interviews and uh, re- really reaching out and posting my light work, my morning light work messages all over Facebook and different groups, the word ayahuasca came across my screen one day. And um, it just, for some reason, it hooked me and I became very intrigued with learning as much as I could about this plant medicine. And so I researched for a whole year and then finally found a church in uh, Orlando, Florida called Soul Quest, which has thousands uh, of, I think they're up to maybe 40,000 members um, all over the world have been through uh, their doors and have done ceremony with them. And so I went into ceremony with them for my first time about five and a half years ago. And it really is just an amazing transformative experience. I never knew that there was a door to the other side of the veil. I mean, who to thunk it, right? I just (laughs) never knew. I never knew. And uh, I was 55 years old at the time. I'm 61 now. And I just think it's so fascinating um, at 55 to find that you really, there really is a door to the other side of the veil. And so on the other side of the veil, it would be just as you would imagine being able to experience yourself and all that is around you and all that is through the eyes of God. In other words, through the eyes of love. And so being able to sit in ceremony and drink this brew, this brew is created 
by two plants from the jungle. One is the Banastropus capai, and that is the ayahuasca vine. And then you have the chacruna leaf. And these indigenous uh, people from Peru, from the Amazon, uh, somehow spirit guided them to take these two plants and brew them together out of all of the thousands and thousands of plants in the jungle. These two plants were brought together. And it is believed that the spirit of the plants under the visions of ayahuasca spoke or under the visions of, of some other plant, I'm not sure, but uh, the spirits of the plant came to the shaman at the time or the person at the time and said, hey, brew these two together. And once um, that happened, the spirit of, of ayahuasca is uh, realized in our consciousness. And so, um, and it's on that journey through that five to six hour um, ceremony, um, the recipient is able to go to the other side of the veil and experience life through the eyes of God as I, as I term it, through the eyes of love. And so you can go back into um, your childhood per se for me, I'll just speak for me personally, I was able to go back into my childhood and, and really forgive a lot of wrongs that uh, were done unto me through broken people. And I was able to forgive and, and send love to those, those particular situations, those particular memories and go back and give love to those people who perpetrated against me. I was able to really see things in my own life in, in the here and now, things that I was struggling with, unforgiveness, selfishness, a lot of ego traits. And I was able to really see through this larger, this grander perspective, because in our own perspective, in our 3D consciousness, you know, we see with such a narrow vision. And so um, your vision is just completely opened up and you're able to see the whole, the big picture. And so um, stepping into my sovereignty in that way and really being able to see more truth, not just the limited truth of my understanding. Is it the Shipibo tribe? Is that the, the tribe that where ayahuasca came from is my understanding? Well, you know, um, that's a good guess. <laughs> I think the Shipibo have been protecting the medicine for many, many years, but I suspect that this brew um, could have possibly originated from the Amazon. Um, I don't think anybody is really sure. You know, we have a, we have a pretty big world with a lot of different um, indigenous communities that practice a lot of different medicines. And there's really no telling when you really think about it, there's really no telling. Amazing. In history, probably, um, it, you know, the Shipibo were one of the predominant um, tribes that protected the medicine. And it's so amazing how, you know, these two plants, somebody had that vision to put them together, because it's exactly my understanding that they weren't growing next to each other but the, that vision came yeah. and and yeah. the synchronistic you know yeah. connection I'm reading a I'm reading a book right now called Singing to the Plants it's all about the ayahuasca and the sh shamans and the practice the whole practice of uh the icaros and how to become a shaman and you know what the shamans do and 
the history of the plant and so on and so forth. And they really believe that this, that everything is spirit. Everything is energy. Everything has spirit. And so, and in, in the ayahuasca manifesto, which is uh, one of our sacred texts, it was written by anonymous. It's believed that it is inspired and written by the plant spirit of ayahuasca. And, um, And so in this book, Singing to the Plants, they really believe that the plants were able to communicate with humans to help them to bring those two leaves together or those two plants together, the the ayahuasca vine and the chacruna leaf. And, um, And they harmoniously, it's through the synergy of both those plant spirits that I, Mother Ayahuasca is born. And it's so beautiful. Not really born. I mean, she's a spirit. She's with (laughs) us all the time, Um, but um, realized within our consciousness. That's really beautiful. Um, I recently had my first ayahuasca experience where I sat with Aya for three days. And, you know, when, and I had an opportunity to try different plant medicines, but, you know, someone mentioned to me right before I was going into for ceremony there, they said, feel the spirit of the plant. And, you know, I, I heard it, I've heard that before, but in this instant, it was like, it became embodied to me. And so when I tapped into that, you know, and I'm working with different plant medicines now, and I mean, those, the plants, they just have so many messages on so many Mm -hmm. levels. And when you truly tap into the plants, they can give you that, those messages, that information, and there's, it's so valuable. So, um, I mean, just powerful. Her spirit is so benevolent. I mean, her sole purpose is to awaken us and to help us to come into our sovereignty, to help us to really know who we are and to realize how powerful we really are in many ways and through our thoughts, through our belief systems, through our intentions, we create, we create everything. We create everything we see, we create our reality. And you really are able to tap into that in such a a more amplified way when you're in the medicine. Absolutely. It's so powerful when you can really, um, and and when you listen, you know, and, and really hear those messages. And so I'm wondering from your perspective, how, how does ayahuasca actually work? How does it work? Well, I know that we have receptors in our brain for DMT. Mm-hmm. And so um, the ayahuasca manifesto talks about the glandular molecular bridge, um, that those chemicals are able to um, tap into those receptors. I'm not really up on the whole scientific chemical explanation. Uh, I could pull up the ayahuasca manifesto and read that to you, but um, just tell everybody to Google it and they can, they can read it for themselves. But I know that there is a a chemical receptor in our brain that's able to, um, to allow the spirit of mother ayahuasca to enter into our consciousness it's an interesting question how it works. I, I don't know. Can you elaborate a little bit? What do you mean how it works? Uh, so um, just, like, what does it feel like coming on um, um, and set onset or uh, how does it work? You know, it's where 
you know, when we take the medicine, we're ingesting it and then, you know, having these visions or, you know, in my experience, um, and I can talk about my experience, I'm not, you know, the science behind it. Um, I'm still learning, you know, I'm really learning about just psychedelics in general and ayahuasca and, and things, but um, the medicine and how, you know, in my experience, it worked on at layers at different layers. So every time I took it, there was a different relationship with it. There is, you know, it, it broke down the resistance walls, the first Mm -hmm. ceremony, you know, and then I was able to go a little deeper the next time. And then even more deeper than, you know, time after that. So, um, yeah, I'm just wondering, cause it, it, for me, in my experience, it was really, just allowing the medicine to work and just being open to what messages yes. came through. And so, yeah, I was just kind of curious. There's a lot that we can do to block the connection that we might desire to have with ayahuasca. Um, and that would be through not adhering to a diet. So there's a special diet that you want to really try to adhere to, um, especially the seven days leading up. But um, the most benefit that you will get from that connection will be at least 30 days. And you want to stay on a very strict diet of no sugar, or I should say very little sugar, definitely leading up the seven days, no sugar. Um, So you can replace that with honey, maybe. Um, Definitely very little salt and then no salt seven days leading up. Same thing with alcohol. I don't drink a lot of alcohol anyway, so that's not a problem for me. Definitely no meat. That's not a problem for me. I'm a vegetarian. Um, Dairy products, definitely not the seven days leading up to it. You can have fish, but limited seven days leading up. No spicy foods, not a lot of oil. Those are the predominant things. Um, You want to stay away from smoking, you know, you're not the mapacho that, you know, it's different. The mapacho is different. It's a sacred tobacco that hasn't been tainted with thousands of chemicals like our commercial cigarettes. Um, You definitely want to stay away from any chemicals. So that would include vaping. Um, And most definitely you, you know, ayahuasca isn't for everyone. So if you have um, a psychosis, you, it's not going to be for you because there's the possibility that you would go into an, uh, an ayahuasca ceremony and stay in psychosis. Um, and so you definitely don't want to be on any SSR, SSRIs or MUI inhibitors, um, no depression medication, no psychosis medication, um, bipolar, none of that medication. So this, these are conversations, open conversations that you need to have with your medical doctor. There's a whole list in our workbook and on our website that you can refer to that um, is medications and um, street drugs that are uh, contradictory or contraindicated to ayahuasca. Um, I would also say stay away from other plant medicines just so that you are not taking any chance at all to um, numb down the experience that you have with Mother Aya. But it's not just ingested things. Um, You wanna stay away from toxic people and toxic situations and toxic behaviors that you might have acquired over your lifetime. 
you know, and once you decide, it's very interesting, and the ayahuasca manifesto talks about this as well, is once you've decided to partake in ceremony, usually once you've made that commit and put your, you know, put your money down for that ceremony, for that deposit, Mother Ayahuasca knows that you're serious and your intention is to go into ceremony. She will already start stirring things up within you. It's very common. It's, um, uh, it's, it's amazing because we do a long preparation up to our ceremony every Sunday at four o'clock. We have preparation meetings and this is the time to really talk about this sort of stuff. And it never fails. Everyone has already started to experience those stirrings up inside of you where, I don't know, maybe um, you get angrier at things, you get more triggered at things or memories, even repressed memories can come up. So a lot of things really start stirring up. Your ego really starts acting out. And these are just, these are just little flags for us to see in order to be able to recognize and determine what we want to set for our intention, what we want to work on when we go into ceremony with her. Because the one thing I love so much about Mama Aya is um, that there's a, a, a lot of personal counseling that she does with you. Um, a lot of people will see colors and patterns, and I do certainly, and um, you know, visions uh, or scenes you know, she talks to you, she can talk to you and communicate with you in that way. Um, and usually during all of that phenomena, I kind of just in my mind, just wave it by just like this, because sometimes that's a little much for me, you know, and the, just the patterns and the mandalas and these incredible colors, incredible visions. Um, they're beautiful, but that's really not what I'm in there for because what I've experienced with her predominantly is just this one-on-one -on -one personal counseling, this one-on-one -on -one consulting that she does with me. And um, that's really what I'm in there for because that's what I take into my integration and I integrate into my life and just really good advice. And she just shows me things from the larger picture of things and just epiphanies and aha moments and just in everything through the eyes of love, she brings it all back to the eyes of love. But again, ayahuasca is not for everyone. I was, I was concerned myself because of my childhood. I experienced a lot of, a lot of abuse, borderlining on torture. My mother was very sadistic and I, uh, I had a lot of um, trepidation going into the ayahuasca experience because from all of that experience in my childhood, I developed pretty bad PTSD and chronic depression. And I was worried, you know, when you have PTSD, you've also got this grand anxiety or disorder. And I was just really worried that I was going to go in and I was going to be too overwhelmed and that I would have this, you know, terrible anxiety attack. Um, but it's interesting it, that doesn't happen. And I've seen a lot of people with really pretty severe anxiety and PTSD. We had one ceremony with about eight servicemen and talk about anxiety and PTSD. 
And the healing that comes out of that is just amazing. I know I'm kind of all over the place, so you can stop me at any time. <laughs> no, this is beautiful. I, these are like all the questions I wanted to ask too, um, because I think it's so important, you know, to talk about these. And I know there are studies being conducted about the efficacy of ayahuasca on depression, anxiety, addictions, um, alcohol abuse, PTSD. Yeah. Tell us more about uh, the healings that you've yeah. seen either personally or just from the work that you've been doing. Yeah. We have members in our church that um, were alcoholics, drug addicts, um, chronic smokers have been healed from all of those. We have one couple that just completely stopped drinking and smoking after their first session with us. Um, we have um, another member who couldn't string two days together off of crack cocaine. And she is 68 years old and she had about a 55 year addiction to various drugs and, and um, predominantly co uh, cocaine and, and crack cocaine. And um, we just kept you know, working with her and, you know, telling her just two weeks, get two weeks clean off of it, get two weeks clean so you can get to the medicine. We do UAs when people come for ceremony because, you know, you can die if you're on any of those SSRIs or MAOIs, or if you've taken cocaine before a ceremony, you can die. I mean, it's serious. You can die. We don't want anybody dying on my watch. <laughs> yeah, we just don't. It's not okay. And it's not okay to come into ceremony and put everyone else at risk as well and be traumatized. Nobody wants to go into ceremony and then have somebody almost dying next to them. So we do UAs, but we've had tremendous reports of healing. Um, we have another couple that they already had their, um, they already had their divorce papers. They were together almost 21 years. They were going to celebrate their 21st uh, wedding anniversary, like a couple of weeks out. And they already had the divorce papers uh, signed and ready to go. And so they came into ceremony like as a last, last ditch effort, which a lot of people do as a last ditch effort, either, you know, I've heard people say, you know, if this doesn't work, I'm going to kill myself. I'm just done. You know, I'm done. And um, sure enough, they did their ayahuasca ceremony and um, they just, it just renewed their marriage. It renewed their love for each other. And they're so in love. It's so beautiful to see. And it was just the healing that they needed. Yeah. It sounds like just really changing so many things and so, much, so many layers of just yeah. our individual, but also as a collective Yeah, and how, you know, just shifting to that inner love. I know for me during my experience, it was, you know, it showed me just self-love but it yes. was more than like any personal growth. Cause I've done so much personal growth over the years and programs and, you know, all these things. And then, but this was like an embodied feeling, like I felt it and I'm still feeling it and I'm continuing to integrate. And I think that's really, um, it's just so powerful how yeah. much, um, how many changes it can really shift and, you know, and how our neural networks or brain patterns can shift from, yeah, that addiction or that thought patterns into this like true love place. You actually feel that recalibration in medicine. You actually feel your third eye popping. You actually feel things being rewired 
in your brain, in your body. I mean, it's palpable. You feel it. You feel it. It's tangible. Mm-hmm. It's like, and I, you know, it, it's been termed so often. I've heard it from so many people. It's like likened to 10 years of therapy in one weekend. Here's the key though. It's not a one-off thing. It's not a one-off event and it's not one-sided. 2% of your healing happens on the mat during ceremony. 2% of your healing. You get all those ahas, you get all that rewiring, you get all of that. But if you go back to your life and you don't allow yourself to integrate what you've learned on the mat, what you've experienced on that mat, if you don't take that experience seriously and actually be involved in uh, a formal integration process, it's just an experience. And then you're just going to be experience surfing. You know, you'll go back and you go back to those daily habits. You'll go back to those same people, those same behaviors, those same, that same way of being in the world without any changes. If you don't integrate that into your life, then you're experience surfing if you come back or you go to another plant medicine. And I've seen it. I've seen it happen even in our community, you know, and you got to sit people down and have some critical conversations with them, you know, because we're not a church that's about supplying experiences for people so they can trip and get high. And, you know, ayahuasca really isn't the way to trip and get high because there's, it's such a hard experience. It's not for everybody. It's such a hard experience. You know, um, there's purging involved. There's a lot of purging involved. There's a lot of uncomfortableness in ayahuasca because you're really, she really does stir up all of the shadows She stirs up all those repressed memories. She stirs up all the anger, all the jealousy, whatever it is that's really causing your suffering. She's going to put it right here up in your face. You know, you're confronted with it and it's what you do with it, which is what you, you know, how you take that and, and create transformation in your life. You know, she's not, it's not a magic pill. It's not a magic brew where you just drink this funky Kool-Aid and your life is all of a sudden it's great. No, there's work. There's a lot of work that happens afterwards. And that's the 98% of the healing is, you know, you have to be willing to do that follow-up work and then come back to the medicine, you know, come back to the medicine, not when somebody calls and says, Hey, we have ceremony open. No, but when you feel called, when she's calling in, you'll know that you'll know when you're ready to come back for more. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's, you know, you can get all those visions on the mat, but it's really about that integration process. And it helps to have people who have been through ceremony um, to help you integrate or finding a therapist that has, you know, that experience, I think, because, you know, you can receive all those messages and, but yeah, your life can go back to the same. I um, also, it's, you know, just to say too, it's really important to have those intentions, what you want to receive from each sitting, from each ceremony mm-hmm. and to go into that and then how you want your life to look afterwards or how, exactly. you know, having that space. I know that's been really helpful for me yeah. just integrating back into 
life and starting to take action on some of those messages, you know, including just the feeling of embodiment of the love, you know, and, and how do I want to like tune into my body and what, what's going to be best for me right now. And that has been really helpful in the integration process. Yes, yes, absolutely. So we offer our Sunday integration. We also offer on Wednesday evenings at 530 Mountain Standard Time, we offer what's called verbal purge. And a couple of our board members um, created that because they wanted something a little less formal than a formal integration process. They basically what it is, is you just come on in, you come into the Zoom, it's posted on our website or on our Facebook page, Aya Denver, um, every week. And uh, you just come in and you have this community that you know you get to know and you get to hang out with and you talk about your week and that informal process that's so important during the week, just to come in and really share what's going on for you this week. And then you've got people that can give you feedback that during uh, regular integration, we don't really open it up for everybody's feedback, but on Uh, verbal purge, you can just talk back and forth and give people feedback and bounce ideas off of each other and just hold space for each other and listen. You know, a lot of times we just need a really, you know, good friend to just sit and listen to us, you know, not really offer advice, but just listen. And so um, it's a really wonderful way to build community. One thing I wanted to talk about getting back to intentions It's interesting because, you know, we're asked to go into the medicine with intentions. It's very helpful, especially if we get in and we get overwhelmed by all the visions and all the colors and all of that to get back and get focused on our intention and why we're there and the inspiration or the healing, particularly healing that we're asking for. And most of the time she will address those intentions with you. But it's not, um, don't go in with any expectation that if I say I want to see my mother on the other side, that that's what's going to happen. Or if I want to really get in and do some deep healing work on my childhood abuse, that could happen and it, and it may not happen. You know, uh, Mama Aya is a very wise, wise spirit, and she knows exactly what we need. So we always walk away with what we need. So we could get some counseling around our intentions. We could get healing from our intentions. It could be all about it, but um, it's really important to manage our expectations and to not have expectations. Occasionally you'll go into the medicine, especially if you're a first timer, the first night, you won't feel a thing. It's just a matter of, you know, she knows how to read us. She knows when we're ready. She knows what we're ready for. And um, she's a very gentle and loving spirit. So she's going to give us exactly what we need. And that's something really important to remember because I've seen it happen all too many times where you go in the first night, nothing. And then the fact that you sit there, all of those tapes start running through your head. That is a healing, an aha moment, her working with you in and of itself. What is she showing you? Where does your mind immediately go? Oh, I'm not good enough. I was passed over. I'm doing it wrong. Nothing ever good happens to me. All of those tapes. And that's information. That's her. That's the medicine working with us. Not the way we expected it to work with us. But we got exactly what we needed. 
Yeah, that, that sounds exactly like my first experience. You know, the first night I sat with her and it was like, she was showing me all these thoughts that were there and present and I'm, and I was restless and I couldn't sit still and I was moving all around and I'm like, it's not working. And then I, I, and I remembered, I think maybe a conversation we had had, you know, and I just like tuned into her and, and just started to pay attention to what was coming up for me. Then all of a sudden I got this message to purge and I sat up and, and I, um, they gave me some hop A to help purge yes. and I purged you know, physically, but then I purged emotionally and all these tears and all this emotion started coming up. And then I was calm and I was able to really go deeper into the medicine, but I had to get past that. I had to like work yeah. with that layer first and really honor that, that process. Yes. 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 It's such a beautiful process, even when it's difficult. Mm -hmm. And I've had some difficult, difficult times. It's interesting, you know, um, my mentor, my, my shaman tells me that if you really want to be in this work for a long time, you've got to go as deep as, as the deepest that any of your members go. And then you got to go that much deeper. And, you know, and so I, I, I believe I've been there. I believe I've been there. And so those are difficult experiences, but you learn, you learn how to navigate the medicine. You learn how to navigate yourself. You learn how to center yourself, how to navigate your own word, uh, your own energy, uh, your own nerves. And, um, you learn to trust and you learn to release. And so we have a saying at the church, be the river. And that means just go allow her to come along. When she comes along, she's going to take you down the river. And you just got to release of those, you know, release the, the side of the bank embankment and you just got to allow her to take you. It's when we resist that we have the most difficult time. And I speak from experience. <laughs> yeah. We resist, we have the most difficult time. And because we know when you go into the medicine and you imagine, you know, your fear and your anxiety gets up and, you know, fear is all that everything that we create, it's just, there's no monsters out there. It's all, all of it is within our own shadows, you know, with our own mind, our own overactive mind. I like the saying, what is it? Fear is, um, it's, uh, what is that? What is that new mnemonic that they use? It's um, oh, fair evidence appearing real. Evidence of uh, yeah, as fear is just evidence appearing, false evidence appearing false, real. Yeah. That's it. False evidence appearing real. It's still true. Mm -hmm. She's taken me in the medicine so many times and showing me that there is absolutely nothing to fear. You know, it's all love. It's all of it. It's all love. But you know, we have these overactive minds, and that's part of our healing. That's part of the healing and learning to surrender and learning to trust. And you know, we just all we go back to all the times that you know we've been fearful in our lives, all the times that we've experienced trauma and pain, and we think, oh God, that's what's waiting for us, but it's not. And I've heard the saying, you know, like going into ayahuasca is similar to what some might call a um, spiritual surgery, which yes. and I just yes. love that because she's yes. just, yeah, 
healing all those parts and really just giving you what you need and healing that. So I love that. So tell us what was your inspiration for starting Leaf and Divine? Mm. I knew from the first time that I sat with Soul Quest in ceremony with the medicine, I knew from my very first experience that I wanted to have my own church and and that I wanted to spend the rest of my life serving this medicine. But, you know, it took me a while. It was a journey for me. Um, I was really, I wouldn't say broken, but I was really um, affected um, as a child growing up with uh, the life that I had. You know, I didn't have, I didn't have a trustworthy parent. And I didn't have a parent that was able to connect with me in an authentic level. My father was never around. And therefore, I didn't have an adult that, I mean, it's it's interesting, you know, throughout my childhood and throughout my lifetime, you know, it's especially uncomfortable for, uncomfortable for me. Sometimes I'm a teacher and, you know, we do all these exercises, these professional developments. And <laughs> inevitably, we always get around to talking about you know, who was your, the name, what was the name of your first teacher and, or your favorite teacher? And I, you know, I don't remember any teacher's names growing up. I was in and out of foster homes. I was um, um, so abused at home when I was with my mother. I was in girls' homes. I was in McLaren Hall and Juvenile Hall. I don't know if you know what those are, but those are lockup places for kids who run away because I ran away a lot. And, um, I just had this crazy, crazy childhood. And, and so with that, that kind of upbringing, um, learning to connect and learning to trust, um, was really something that was not part of my vocabulary and, and always being in and out of so many different places. You know, I had like this attachment disorder, um, and where I wasn't really able to connect with people in a, in a real solid kind of way in an authentic, in an authentic way. And so I started realizing these patterns once I started waking up. And after I first, you know, had my first ayahuasca experience, I was able to really wake up to the point to where I was very self-observant and, and um, was able to notice patterns of dysfunction in my life. And so I just stayed with the medicine. I kept going back two or three times a year. And uh, the more I went back, the more I fell in love with that place. And I just, I wanted to bring the heart and the soul of Soul Quest back to my own church and start my own church. And finally, I built up enough confidence in myself that I could actually do this about a year and a half ago. So I just started talking anybody that would listen in the conscious community and the psychedelic community here in Denver and just put it out there. I want to start this church. And I, I got a hold of the psychedelic community and posted on their webs, on their Facebook page. Hey, I'm going to start a medicine, a plant medicine church, you know, who, who wants to help me. And, um, people that I guess are on their board came over and decided to work with me. So, and who's now our board psychologist and a couple other members of the psychedelic community came on and are still with us. And we just, you know, we just um, started really getting together and developing this concept. And, uh, you know, I was given a vision from mama Aya and I went into the medicine and I specifically asked her because I'm old enough to know that 
uh, not to get behind something that's not blessed. And so um, you can't start a, a plant medicine church with, with ayahuasca unless she's on board with you. It's just not going to happen. So I went into the medicine and I said, is this just me? Is this just my ego? Am I just wanting to do something that somebody else is doing? Or is this, you know, talk to me about my heart and my intentions. You know, do you see it? You know, are you in, in partnership with me or not? And she let me know unequivocally that she is partnership, not only with me personally, but with this church. And as soon as I got that affirmation, and she didn't only affirm it once, she affirmed it a few times throughout my next ceremonies. And once I got that information, it didn't matter how bumpy the road got in moving forward. I always felt calm and I was always at peace because I knew what I had experienced. I knew what she had shown me and being able to sit back and watch her work, her magic, how she opens doors and opens hearts and opens minds and makes way and brings all of these beautiful people, these beautiful souls to the church. So, yeah. It's just a beautiful thing. And and we're in partnership with her. Thank you for sharing that story. It's beautiful. It just sounds so synchronistic and very affirming. Yes. Yes. And so so it sounds like too, you mentioned a shaman. So do you bring in, does a shaman come sit with ceremony as well? Is that, do they lead the ceremony? We've had three shamans. They're all out of the U.S., Two of them, or actually three of them, all three of them have worked with different tribes in the, in, in Peru. Um, but none of them are Peruvian shamans, if you will. Um, you know, the ayahuasca manifesto talks about the tradition of the medicine and really gives homage to its protectors and the indigenous people. But she, she also talks about this is a new age and that in its time for the medicine to leave the jungle and to now be in, you know, every crack of the sidewalk to be in every, you know, human garden and to be for everybody to partake of. And so we're really embracing that, um, in, in an authentic way and in, in, in an integ- a way with integrity. There's a lot of folks out there serving medicine that have no business serving medicine. And then there's people who are really, whose intentions are pure and in the right place. And so I can definitely affirm that for our church, that we really do have the right motives. We really do have the right intentions. We take every precaution that we can to keep people safe and to make sure that we offer the highest service for the resources that we have. You and so yeah, I've um, definitely there's I know some horror stories out there of people mm-hmm. who are serving the medicine that you know I think it deters some people from wanting to participate. But having a safe place, I think you know, yeah. and building that safe place for someone to really do their healing work is crucial and important and to honor the medicine. Yeah. And we do, we, we, and we are, are very um, serious about people healing and their um, you know, integrating their, their experiences. And we offer um, the integration meetings for the life of the church. We will be offering them every week. And that's, you know, that's a free service. Um, You can do, you can have, you know, done ceremony with us a year ago or two years ago and and still be able to you know tap into those zoom meetings on sundays and sit with us for integration or 
come into verbal purge or um, we're a church. So, and the reason I wanted to create this as a church and not as a resort or a retreat is because we don't want to just serve medicine and send people on their way. We're really, really trying to build a beautiful, loving, supportive community here where people are not alone and people are not lost out in the world and they don't have any connection. We really want to help people build connection and and really build their lives and have, you know, beautiful, happy, whole lives living in healthy community. And so for someone new to ayahuasca and wanting to um, get involved, what would you recommend for them and how to get started on this path? Well, I would first say, make sure um, that this is something that you feel called to and not something that somebody has talked you into. So a lot of times, um, and you can't help it. You, you, you go to, you know, a retreat or you go to a church ceremony or wherever you go and you experience this amazing healing, this amazing experience, it's life transforming experience. And you immediately want to go out there and proselytize almost, you know, just you shout it from the rooftops. Hey, there's this amazing door to the other side of the, you know, the universe or this other dimensions. Um, and, uh, and you've just got to do this with me, you know, you've got to do this. And, you know, people are some, sometimes people are people pleasers, you know, and they want to, they want to fit in or they want to please people. You got to make sure that you are actually feeling called to the medicine. And then you really need to consult um, a medical doctor or somebody that's trusted in the medical field to make sure if you have any physical ailments, if you have any physical conditions, if you're disabled in any way, if you have traumatic brain injury. I mean, there's just a whole slew of things that are contraindicated to ayahuasca. If you're on any medications, if you're, you know, doing street drugs or even medical drugs that you're addicted to, you know, there's all of these things that you really have to, that have to be, you have to be forthright about it. So, cause we have a, uh, an intake process with a slew of intake forms that you need to fill out. And then we will call you and consult with you. And, and we ask that you consult with your primary care physician as well, or a trusted medical person. Um, and so, once you've gone through that screening process and, and you know, you still feel called and led to the medicine, um, then uh, you need to come on and, um, you, you know, our, our website is leaf, L-E-A-F and A-N-D-D-E, D-E, vine, V-I-N-E. So leaf and D-vine, it's a, kind of like a plan words because it's the Shakruna leaf and the vine and the vine. So uh, leafanddivine.org and you can sign up for and, you know, fill out your intake forms. And then we have our website or our Facebook page, which is Aya Denver, A-Y-A Denver. So you can ask to join Aya Denver. And that's where we post all of our links for preparation. And I'll have a personal call with you and we'll get to know each other and I'll screen you a little further. And yeah. You can come sit in ceremony with us, join the church and, um, and be part of our beautiful community. Or if you live uh, another part of the country and you're not able to, um, to get here, um, I might have other um, references for you because I do know some very nice plant medicine churches 
across the U.S. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. And just wondering if there are any last words that you'd like to share with our listeners. Anything that? I just want to say that um, this has been a phenomenal experience for me, and it is, it's a way of life. It's a way of life for me. It's, um, it's a way for me to, um, to really work through um, all the shadows and, um, and all of the areas in my life that I really need to, um, you know, to improve, if you will to create less suffering, to create less worry and more peace in my life. And, and it's a, just a personal journey. It's a personal process. And um, I love being able to bring people to the medicine. It's a, it's a life mission for me. I'll be bringing people to the medicine to my last dying breath. And um, if you feel called to the medicine, get a hold of us. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Stacy. Thank yeah. you so much for inviting me on and for allowing our um, church to have a platform to be able to get the word out. Absolutely. It's absolutely my honor. So thank you, Mama Bear, for being here with us today and having this beautiful, beautiful conscious conversation. Absolutely. And I do want to say also, too, that, you know, um, we don't push any religion or any way of thinking on people. So, you know, whatever your belief systems are, whatever your religion is, or lack of religion, no religion, whatever it is, it's not required mm-hmm. to be part of our church. It's all I love that. <laughs> Thank you for listening to our show. Stay tuned for more episodes being released on Mondays at 5.55 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. And if you've enjoyed listening to our show, we'd absolutely love a five-star written review on iTunes. And of course, please share the love by sharing it with your friends. And if you want to support the work that we're doing, please consider making a donation to our show by visiting our Patreon website at patreon.com forward slash be the love podcast. And until next time, love yourself, love each other, and love the world. I love you. We at Be The Love Podcast are honored to be supporting the Komodi Foundation, which is a nonprofit organization in Uganda that is working to build a school that will promote and support healthcare, education, skills development, feeding the hungry, human rights, and environmental defenders. Their goal is to work with young mothers and single mothers, street children, and vulnerable families who lack nurture as they guide them to become productive individuals, which will lead to a productive generation. Please see our show notes on how to become a donor, mentor, volunteer, or sponsor. And until next time, we are souls on the journey. And remember, there is always a seat for you.